0: Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of CANDU, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at CANDUCFC.com. So last week, we began talking about the letter E in our open acronym. This is the acronym that we shared about how God just revealed something to me one day about what it means to be someone who is a disciple maker. And the, e, the letter E stands for encouraging people in godly ways. So, to be encouraging in a godly way requires godly character, right? Because you can't encourage someone to be something that you yourself or we ourselves aren't. It's very difficult to, anyway. So, that's why we looked at Philippians 2, verses 3 to 5. Thanks, babe. So, we looked at Philippians 2, verses 3 to 5, which says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And then having that same attitude as Christ Jesus means that we understand that we do not belong to ourselves. Our life has been paid for by the ransom of Jesus' blood, right? So our lives aren't for us to do with whatever we want, but we've now been ransomed into the kingdom and into the will of God. So now our lives belong to Him, and we do for Him what He desires for us to do. And then because of this, this attitude and these characteristics that we learned about, we learned that there's four positive things that come when through character and through attitude, we begin to encourage one another in godly ways. Encouraging people... There it is. Encouraging people makes you an enjoyable person. I know, rocket science, right? Who knew? But being enjoyable makes people want to spend time with you. When people want to spend time with you, it shows that they trust you. And when a person trusts you, a relationship has been built. And these things were all so so crucial because, once again, relationship is the best context for discipleship. We talked about a few stories and we heard about a few different ways in which people have been encouraging to those outside of the church and how they've built trust with someone and now they're poised to speak Jesus into the lives of these people. So through these relationships, uh, these followers of Jesus have done a good thing outside the church. But here's the thing. Discipleship isn't just about reaching people who do not know the Lord. Discipleship is meant to happen inside of our church as well. I still need to be discipled just like you do. Even though we have maybe come to a faith in in Jesus and we understand that he has saved us from our sins, we need to go beyond those simple things and go on to more complex things. We need to move beyond spiritual milk and get into spiritual meat, right? Because that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So our whole focus today is taking this encouraging people in godly ways idea and we're going to apply it to one another here in church. And we're going to try to figure out how is it that I can be a difference maker in someone else's life who might be sitting right next to me or behind me or in this same room. So let me pray one more time here and then we'll we'll get into what we're gonna talk about today. Jesus, we just pray that you would give us a fresh vision for your church. Help us to help us to see things in a way that we maybe haven't ever really contemplated them before, or we haven't pondered or wondered about what it means to be connected to your body in this way for these purposes. But I just ask, Lord, that you would just open our hearts, help us to receive willingly what you want to say to us, and help us to say, yeah, I actually want to be a part of that. doesn't matter if it's scary or not. Just help us to say, Lord, I want to be a part of your will in this church here in Candu." Amen. All right. So I believe that the, the four results that are on the screen right now, they come about when we encourage people in godly ways, and it can happen even, in quicker, even quicker in a church setting than it can when we're working these kinds of ideas outside of the church. Okay, I believe this is true because here in the church, we already have so much common ground. We're not starting from scratch like we might with someone in the community who we're just trying to forge a brand new relationship with. So think about it this way. We're both at church, right? Or we're all at church. And that tells us several things about each other right off the hop. So we don't have to get to know each other by asking too many questions. Just by being here together on Sunday morning, there's a few things that we can observe, We probably, all of us, are at least somewhat open or willing to engage with Jesus on some level. We're in a church, right? So if you didn't know that this is a church that's all about Jesus, surprise, it is. Okay? We probably, because we're all here, we believe that God's church is a positive thing in our lives. We actually want to come here because there's something good that could happen. And we probably understand that the Bible, which is what we teach from, is a really solid guide for how to teach us to live our lives. So on top of those things, just the commonality that we have from being in the same place at the same time, on top of those things, many of us have, have had some level of relationship with each other already because we've been a part of this church for years, maybe even decades And because we have a relationship just by knowing each other from being in the same place consistently year after year, that's a good thing. So you can see there's a lot of common ground that we have as we're thinking about this disciple making idea. But here's the trick. Now we want to learn how to take these existing relationships and the common ground that we have and use them in an intentional way. We don't want to come here and be passive and just talk about how much rain we got, right? We want to come here and say, okay, this is the point of me being connected to Jesus and his church. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 to 10, I'm not going to read that whole passage. I'm just going to highlight a couple of things here. Paul writes about the day of Jesus' return and how we are meant to live our lives in light of that. He reminds us that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night when we least expect him, so we should be ready. He reminds us that we are children of the light and how we can't live in darkness like people who are unaware of Jesus' return, but rather looking forward and anticipating Jesus' return. And Paul urges us to put our faith and love on like a breastplate, like a piece of armor. And he also tells us to put on the, the hope of salvation like a helmet that we would wear. And then at the end of that whole section where he's encouraging and saying, hey, be ready, think about it this way. Jesus is coming back. Be ready, live intentionally. Then he says in verse 11, therefore, because of all these things that he's just talked about, encourage each other and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So the fact of the matter is Jesus is coming back and until he arrives, our job As fellow believers is to encourage each other and build each other up in our faith so that we don't stay the same, but so that we actually become stronger until the day of Christ's return, which is actually extremely exciting, right? Just to know that God is calling us to greater and greater and greater things, greater hope, greater faith, greater love, greater understanding of his will. He wants us to grow in these things right up until the moment when Jesus returns. That's exciting. Because it means that we're not just here holding down chairs, we're not just here taking up space. There's a purpose, there's an intent behind the relationship that we have with Jesus. So here's the difference to me between encouraging each other in godly ways inside versus outside the church. To those who are not walking with Jesus, we're trying to help reveal Jesus to them so that they might have a starting point where they can put their faith in Jesus just like we have, right? We're just trying to get the ball rolling. But encouraging each other in godly ways here inside the church has a different meaning. We already have this common ground in our faith, and now we build each other up to get stronger, to get the ball rolling faster in our lives so that we crescendo or we get more bold, more courageous, more loving in our faith. We don't stay the same, but it gets bigger and better right up until the day of Jesus' return. So I believe that this is the intention behind encouraging each other in godly ways. We want to help each other out by solidifying a faith that already exists in each of us. Does that make sense, friends? Do you see the difference between inside versus outside the walls of discipleship? Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that answer. So we want to help people move closer to Jesus by understanding him more and becoming more committed to him and dealing with anything that would prevent us from loving Jesus fully. So those details, those kinds of ideas are part of the last letter in our open acronym, the letter N, which stands for Nurturing People Spiritually those details are are something that we're going to get to yet. We're not going to talk about them in depth today, but we have to know that that is the goal, to nurture each other spiritually, to, to build each other up spiritually in our faith. Because if we don't know the goal, if we don't know the end result that we're striving for, it's hard to know why we would do the things that we're supposed to be doing now. Why am I supposed to observe people? Does it matter if I care about anyone else in my whole life? Actually, it does, because you can't, nurture someone spiritually if you don't care for them, right? And why would I pray for people? Why would I take time out of my schedule? Why would I make a list of people that I interact with regularly to pray for them that Jesus would be known in their lives? Well, because eventually we want to nurture them spiritually. And then the same question goes, why encourage someone? Why would I spend time getting to know someone that I don't know? I have enough friends. Actually, Our goal is to not be about ourselves, but to be about other people, because if we're about others, that's how we learn to nurture them spiritually. See, all of these steps are sequential. They work together, so we can't leave one out and actually begin to nurture someone spiritually if we haven't set a good foundation of observing, praying, and encouraging. So think about this. Jesus' intention when he came to earth was to build a kingdom in the hearts of people. Which is a, a crazy idea, right? Because when we think about kingdoms, we think about you know, brick and mortar, we think about castles, we think about stones, we think about mighty warriors and things like that. We think about all these things. And that's what the Israelite people were thinking of as well. But Jesus came to establish a kingdom in the hearts of people. He came to do something that had never been done before. And that's why he came to earth. That was his intention. So how did Jesus move forward to live out this intention how did he accomplish this well he he lived out this kingdom building in our hearts idea by being invitational it's very interesting actually if we look at how jesus interacted with people he wasn't controlling he wasn't demanding he wasn't manipulative he never said hey listen up all you guys i got something to say and you're going to hear what i have to say or else he was never like that and many other people, political figures, rulers of other countries, dictators, they rule by force. And you can see that all it does is it causes mass chaos, right? People, if you're in a country and you, and you have someone who steps up and demands that you acknowledge them as their leader, most people are lining the borders of their country in refugee camps saying, we want to get out of here. So Jesus didn't take that approach. Instead of being demanding, he was invitational. He invited people to know him, and to understand his kingdom through his through a relationship with him. He never forced people to spend time with him. Let's look at just a few details behind three of the main ways that Jesus was invitational in the Bible. So I, I feel like first Jesus invited us to understand what we could receive from him. And he did that in Matthew 11 verse 28 where it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So there it is. It's an invitation with a promise, right? It's an invitation with an understanding like, here's what will happen. If you receive my invitation, you will find rest. So Jesus invites us to come to him. He walks alongside of us and he helps us. He bears our heavy burdens that we have a difficult time with dealing on our own. He understands our needs and that's why he extended the invitation because he's been observing us. He knows exactly what we're going through and he knows exactly what we need. His heart is clearly for us. And now he invites us to come to him and receive the help that we desperately need from our Savior. Jesus invites us to experience a difference in our lives just through knowing him, which is beautiful, right? No other person on planet Earth or in the history of Earth has ever been able to offer something as magnificent as Jesus when he just said, come and know me and I will give you rest. But then he doesn 't just invite us to come and receive help from him. He actually steps it up another notch. he invites us to follow him. He says in Mark 117, "Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people." which what he 's saying is, "Come and follow me i 'm going to show you how to bring more people into this kingdom that you have been experiencing on your own that 's beautiful, right? So a disciple, like we defined earlier in this series, is literally a follower someone who follows Jesus for the purposes of becoming like him. So on top of us receiving help and rest from Jesus, he invites us to become like him, to do as he does, to learn from him, to walk in his footsteps, to adopt his character and his divine nature, as it says in 2 Peter 1. Jesus invites us to become changed in who we are, Not just stay the same, but leave behind the person who we used to be and then embrace the person that Jesus is leading us to become. That's an exciting prospect. So there's rest that Jesus invites us to receive, and then there's also this new character that Jesus invites us to receive as we become like him. And then the third thing is that Jesus invites us, and this might be kind of common sense, but obviously Jesus knew that he had to say it. He invites us to stay with him. Don't come and take my rest and become like me and then depart and go and do something else. No, no, no. Stay with me. And Jesus said that when he's in, in John fifteen four, remain in me and I also, or as I also remain in you. To remain just means to stay with. You've come and known me. You've come and followed me. Stay with me. Stay on this course. Do not leave this path for something else. Jesus offers us help. He offers us a perfect example to follow. And he invites us to maintain relationship with him until he comes again. Don't leave what you've experienced, but build on it day after day after day. So each of these invitations from Jesus is for us to experience him and be positively changed through our experience with him. That was the intent of the invitation. You see what I'm saying? So Jesus made the invitation. The intent behind each of those invitations is that we would become more like him. We would receive from him and understand, I want to be like that. We would follow him and say, yeah, I want to be like him. And we would stay with him and say, why would I choose to go anywhere else? The invitational nature of Jesus was so consistent through his life and his ministry on earth. I think it's worth noting and not only observing or noting, but copying and saying, okay, well, if Jesus was invitational... I want to be invitational too. How does that work? What does that look like? Well, if we think about it, Jesus was obviously inviting people to himself, right? And you and I we're not Jesus, so we can't invite people to my to ourselves. We can't say, "Come and follow me and I'll show you how to live, you know, in sweatpants on weekends and things like that." Like, no, like we don't invite people to do Life our way, but we invite people to know how Jesus is working through us so that they can receive Jesus and He can work through them as well. So, how can we intentionally, or how can we be intentionally invitational like Jesus was as a way to specifically build up our brothers and sisters here in church? Back in the summer of 1996, I was preparing to enter high school as a freshman. And our church had just hired a new youth pastor. I've talked about this guy before, but this is a good story. So when, when Brad came to town as a, as a new youth pastor at this church, the first thing he did wasn't to prepare a lesson or lead a Bible study or invite us to church or to teach us how to pray or to talk to us about the importance of abiding with Christ. That wasn't his first move. No, the very first thing he did, I remember this like it was yesterday, he called a bunch of us freshmen and he packed as many of us as he could into his Dodge Neon and he took us for ice cream at Dairy Queen and Winkler. So taking us for ice cream was his invitation. But behind his ice cream invitation, there was great intention, okay? His end game wasn't to eat ice cream. That wasn't his goal. As, to be, as being a youth pastor, but his, his goal in inviting us for ice cream was to open up his life to a group of teenagers and start to build a relationship with us, right? So what better way to do that than to put food in our stomachs? You know, people say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I think the way to anyone's heart is through their stomach, to be honest. If you love someone and you're willing to share food with them, in our culture, in most cultures around the world, that is a sign that you value this person and you want to be a part of their life. So as we went for ice cream, you know, we we got to know Brad for the very first time. And as time went on, he encouraged us and he showed us that he was a fun guy. He was enjoyable to be around. Because of that, we wanted to spend time with Brad. We knew where he lived. And we walked past his house just in the hopes that he was in his front yard mowing or we could see him in his backyard with his kids. Hey, Brad. And he would wave us in. Hey, guys, come on in. Jump on our trampoline. We're going to have some hot dogs or whatever. Come and hang out with us right. This is what he was like. It was fun to be with Brad, but from this relationship where we where we were hanging out with Brad, we weren't being taught to become like him. He never taught us, guys. Here's the way I do it, and this is what you should do as well. That's never what he said. But what he always did was he pointed us to Jesus, and it was so beautiful to to have Brad actually take us with him and we pursued Jesus together. It wasn't like, here's everything that I know because I'm so much smarter than you. You guys need to learn these things. No, Brad would tell us, guys, what do you think about this? I just learned this new thing this last week. I've read the Bible before, but I never caught this. What do you think? You need would actually care about our thoughts. And we would pursue Jesus together. And we wanted to because we knew that Brad loved this. Once I, be- once I became a youth pastor in 2010... I took what I learned from Brad through his example, and I made an effort to spend much time with my students outside of our Thursday night youth group. We went for lunch often. I tried to take as many of these 50 kids for lunch at different times as I could. We went skateboarding. We went to baseball games. I bought a skateboard as a youth pastor and learned how to do that just so I could hang out with these guys. We went to baseball games, we went to Christian concerts, music that I actually didn't enjoy. But I knew that they did, so we did this together, right? We went hiking, we went to the beach. I hate the beach, I burn every time I go. I've burnt, I've burnt through 70 SPF because I love students, okay? We would go to student sports games, we would go shopping, we would go disc golfing, that's something I love. And all these things... It was great because we built friendship. Once again, the intention of the invitation wasn't to just have fun and make everyone think, I like hanging out with Jeff and he's cool. That's the beginning. That wasn't the end game though. We were pushing way beyond that to something much more important. The intention was that through these shared experiences, time spent together, relationship would be built and then in those relationships, I could help these students know Christ more. So what are we learning here? By being intentionally invitational, what we can do is we can have a shared experience. A shared experience is something that you do together. It's an activity of any kind that you do with someone else. And you can look back at it and remember it fondly, right? It's a way, it's like, it's an excuse, really. That's what it is. And it's an excuse to be together and to build relationship. You you remember like the worst times in your life when you're like, uh, remember that time where we were baling, and then we had to throw bales and it was like 100 degrees and the humidity was 100% and we loaded them into a hayloft and it, like, we had a thermometer up there and it was like 130 degrees and we all died that day. Like it was incredible, right? And it was miserable in that time, but then with your buddies who you did that with years later, you're like, do you remember that? That was awesome. No, it wasn't. It still sucks to even remember it. But what is awesome is you remember that you worked hard together, that you shared this memory together, and that it built your relationship. It bonded you closer together, right? That's what we remember. Those are the good things. So that's, that's the point of what we're learning here. Shared experiences are the way that we build relationships. So again, like we've said before, and I'm going to say it again because this is something that we can't miss. Relationships are best in the con- or relationships are the best context for discipleship. So as I was thinking about all this stuff this week, about invitations that we can make with godly intentions behind them, I thought about how we can do this in a creative way at church. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized it's actually fun to take a very normal activity and find ways to, to use it to eventually build up a brother or sister in Christ, right? As a kid, I actually remember doing this when I was in junior high. I don't, I don't know if it was an accident or if it was just kind of like an instinctual thing to do, but it happened nonetheless. Two of my best friends, they were named John and Jordan. And through our, through, especially through our junior high years, we spent time together every day. And it was so much fun. We all liked the Blue Jays, and we all had faith in Jesus. So one day I had this idea. It's like, hey guys, I think we're going to start a club. And we're gonna call it the J's club. Because our names all start with J, Jesus starts with J, and we all like the J's. And we're like they were they thought this was like the most brilliant idea. Clearly I was a natural born leader, right? So we, we got together and we, we, all, we made this paper, like this statement of faith even. I don't know what we were thinking. But like we were church leaders in our, teen, in our junior high years. And we made this statement of faith and we all signed it. Yes, we love Jesus. We believe in him. And we dated it. And it was awesome. We made this wooden box. And when you flipped up the lid, it was big enough that we glued this paper in there. So every time we flipped it up, we were reminded that we were all united because we love Jesus. And in this box, we kept important things, right? We had baseball cards in there. We had a Bible in there. We just made someone have a Bible in there. And then we we would draw pictures because we thought, well, if we're like a Jesus club, what we should do is like, let's look up random Bible verses and we'll just draw pictures about them. And we put those things in there and we kept them in there for a couple of years. And it was so brilliant because we didn't realize at the time, we didn't realize at the time that how something so simple, looking back, is actually something so profound that Jesus confirms His presence in our lives now through what happened back then. I think it's just so beautiful that God does these things in innocent people, in innocent ways, and it's actually Him working providentially in our lives, establishing us as His people. Because He loves us and He just wants us to love Him. So I would encourage you to think of ways of implementing what we learned in First Thessalonians 5.11 today. This building each other and encouraging each other, building each other up. How can we do that here? In our hearts we need to look around at one another first of all. In this church, in this room, right now, we need to look around at each other, notice each other and say, this is my brother or sister in Christ. You may not even know the name of the person who's sitting two rows ahead of you. You might be seeing someone today here for the very first time. It's like, oh, I didn't know that they came here. That's your brother and sister in Christ. You have been spiritually linked by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to be connected to these people. You have a responsibility to them like brothers and sisters do, like family members do. If my brother called me and he said, Jeff, I need you to come and help me move. I'd say, absolutely, JR. I'll be there as soon as the border opens. (laughs) (laughs) But your, your brother or sister here in this room might not be saying, I need you to pray for me. I need you to help me understand something in the Bible. I need you to walk with me through a difficult part in my life. They may not say it. But that still is our responsibility to one another. So that's the nurturing part. We're going to get to that yet. But we have to understand that that is the intention. So why not try extending an invitation to someone here at church because you care about them and you want them to be strengthened in their faith. Just start with that invitation and and start getting to know someone, right? And then the end goal all along is that we're not just Making social circles here, but we're actually spurring one another on until Jesus comes. But here's the thing. I don't want you to put pressure on yourself to be someone else's Messiah. Okay? They already have one. And he's way better than any of us could be. But what we're trying to do is like we come together like Brad did with our youth group and we pursue Jesus together. Sometimes that's the most marvelous way of discipleship. Just start by being their friend, right? If ice cream or baseball or the letter J can bring people together and eventually cause them to seek Jesus in an intentional way, I think it's maybe easier than we think. I think we might psych ourselves out and say, I could never be a disciple because, or a disciple maker because whatever. It's actually a lot more simple. Okay? Let Let me give you an example. If you like knitting... Let's just say you are a knitting fanatic. You love this. Or crocheting, whatever. I'm not going to discriminate. Or needlepoint. Or I don't know any other words. Um, Why not invite someone to join you in a knitting group that you want to form? If you love knitting, maybe there's someone else here who knits alone in their home all winter. And they're like, oh, if I only knew of one other person who loved knitting. Finally, I wouldn't be lonely and bored and shut in my home anymore, right? Maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here who says, I want to learn to knit so badly, but I'm just terrified to ask anyone. Because knitting, right? Like, who even asks about that? What if you started a knitting group and you, you put it on the bulletin board says, this is going to be Jeff Peters crazy knitting experience and and you sign up and tell me you want to come and we're going to learn to knit together I don't even know how to knit but we're going to watch YouTube and we're going to figure it out it's going to be fun imagine if you did that just as an excuse to spend time together and maybe get to know a few other people from church and then from that place you have this relationship that starts to form right and you could say oh boy I don't know if I want to knit with this group of people for the rest of my life that's okay just say we're going to do this for two weeks Every two Wednesdays or two Fridays or two Sunday afternoons or whatever, just for two weeks, we're going to see if we can learn something about knitting. And it's amazing. You just take something so simple like that, and that could be the catalyst for a relationship starting. And from that relationship, encouragement can come. And from encouragement, all of a sudden, hey, remember when we got together to knit? That was the best time of my life. You know, I I so appreciated how kind you were. Can I ask you something? And then maybe they ask you to pray or something like that. And just from a knitting group, God is being honored. And this can happen in a ton of different ways. What if you're passionate about cornhole? Maybe next summer you say, okay, I'm going to do like a cornhole league for like every Sunday afternoon for the month of July. We're going to meet at the park. Everyone's going to bring their cornhole stuff. We're going to divide up into random teams. And at the end of the year, we're going to have a tournament and a barbecue because we all love food. That'd be awesome. And we just get to know each other that way. Or maybe it's fishing. Hey, we're all meeting at and We're going to put our boats in on Saturday on this date. We're going to get together, fish as much as we can. We're going to gut them all. And then we're going to eat them. And it's going to be awesome. What if that was what it was like, right? Maybe it could be painting if you love being artistic. Or, or pottery if you're into that. Maybe you say, I want to go visit the living center. Because I think there's people in there who are probably really lonely. Maybe some of you other people here at church... You want to come with me and we want to like just boost someone's spirits. That'd be fun just by visiting and say, tell me a story about your life when you were 10 years old or something. Maybe you like walking and you just say, does anyone else want to walk? Maybe it's something that simple. Or you like shooting stuff like targets. Ron Anfinson had us down and we shot lots of stuff at his house a couple weekends ago. That was fun. You guys know what Tannerite is, by the way? Oh, that is super fun. Tannerite's an explosive. You shoot it with a gun and it blows up. Like... God bless America, right? So so here's the thing. With with any of these ideas, you don't have to commit your life to doing these things forever, right? If you have a group that you want to start, just say, guys, I'm in for two weeks or one month or these three random dates. Just try it. But this is the simple way that easy things that we already enjoy could bring us together. I think it's through simple invitations like this that in our church, we give ourselves a chance to intentionally build someone else up in their faith. But if we just kind of like come here, talk about the weather and then go our separate ways and don't see each other at all through the rest of the week, I think that's where we actually are our own roadblock. Spending time together outside of this place, that's where discipleship is really going to start. Maybe you, maybe you actually have a, a way more spiritual idea than I could come up with, and you're like, knitting, Jeff? Come on, let's go for the gusto. Maybe you say, let's let's really pursue the Lord together. And you say to someone or to a group of people, hey, I'm really keen on learning about the life of David. Or I want to learn about the, the first church in the, in the early part of Acts there. Or you want to learn about some sort of a character trait like simplicity. I'm going to be studying these things. Would, you, would anyone want to come? Let's just bring our Bibles Let's open them up and see what we can learn about this topic together. Maybe that's what you want to do. That'd be awesome. Maybe you say, I want to learn to be more consistent in prayer. Can I meet with a few of you for the, for once a week, for two weeks? And let's just, let's learn to pray together. Because if we know that we're getting together to pray, maybe we'll become more consistent in it. Maybe you say, hey, I want to go to meet more people and so I can build relationships and share the gospel. I'm going to go do that at basketball games. Does anyone want to come? Do you want to come? oh, and you say, oh, you don't like basketball? Perfect, me neither. I actually hate it, but I just love people and I think I need to do better at being intentional about meeting new people. I think all of those things are examples of just how this could work. It could even be something as simple as, before you leave church today, you ask someone, hey, uh, have you ever gone to that thing that Jeff keeps harping on, the rally? And say, I've never gone, have you? No, I haven't either. Man, I'm thinking of checking it out tonight. You wanna come? Like we could be in a group together and, We can sit at the back and critique it if you want. Like, that'd be totally fine. Do it. If that's what you want, just do it. Anything to bring us together, right? So if your heart's desire is to be connected with people in any way, if you're thinking about something already, I love this or that or this is my passion or my hobby, start to think already about connecting together with other people. If you have an idea like that and you want to start up a group, Tell me about it because I want to help you start it up. I want to help advertise it here in this church. If you say, Jeff, I want you to, ad- I want you to say that I'm going to start a snowshoeing group as soon as the snow falls and we're going to try to snowshoe across Lake Alice in Irvine or something like that in the winter. Great. Let's advertise. Let's figure it out. I don't know if that's dangerous or not, by the way. So just if that's a bad idea, don't do it, please. But uh, that was the first example that I could think of. If you want to do that, though, let's advertise. Let's figure these things out together. Okay. And I think it'd be marvelous if we started to come up with ideas and we can connect with each other. But this is where it starts. Observe, pray, encourage. To be encouraging, our lives have to be open. We have to take someone for ice cream. We have to say, hey, our names both start with Jay. Let's start a club. It could be something that simple. So to end this morning, what we're going to do is we're actually going to practice building up another fellow believer right now. But it's not someone from our church, okay? Last week, uh, during Praise and Prayer, we talked just a little bit about uh, our friends up at Anchor Point Church in Manitoba. And I I talked a little bit about some of the regulations that have clamped down on them. And... uh, and how those regulations are affecting the way that they can do church. And basically, in talking with my friend Donovan, who's the pastor up there at Anchor Point, he says that the government is trying to not look like the bad guy. And they're trying to make people, regular civilians or citizens, to, to turn on one another and say, we can't do this because you're not vaccinated. Or you're not allowed in here because you're not vaccinated, and they're trying to make people police themselves. That is the spirit behind some of these mandates that the government is handing down. So you you can't imagine how difficult it would be to be in a church where the the government has now said, you can only be at 33% capacity unless everyone gets vaccinated. So if there's, and hey, there's different schools of thought, that's okay. But if all of a sudden the people who were vaccinated said, hey, all you guys, get vaccinated. We want to be together as a church, and we can't because it's your fault. Imagine if that were to start happening, right? And you can see how it very easily could happen because this is the way that the government has mandated things. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do something to encourage that church. Now, I'm so thankful for what Donovan told me. The church, I mean... There's always going to be differences of opinion, even in the best times. But this church is not struggling mightily, but the opportunity is that it could. So we want to make sure that we lift them up and encourage them in their faith. That church already has a marvelous connection to us. Did you know that before we moved here, that Donovan and his church actually took us under their wing and they commissioned us into full-time lead pastor ministry here for Kandu? They cared about us like that. Donovan came down here in 2019 and he led the installation service so that we could start here. Many people from that church, and I confirmed this with Donovan again on Friday when I talked to him on Zoom, many people from Anchor Point Church are eager for the border to open because they're excited to come down and spend a weekend with Christian Fellowship Church. They like what they hear about what's going on here. They already feel like we're kind of like unofficial sister churches, and they want to be a part of what God's doing in this place. They have prayed for us in their church services from the front many times. When they have their own version of the rally, they have prayer stations that they'll set up from time to time. And there's a whole booth that's dedicated to Christian Fellowship Church. They have my picture up there. They are praying for us. They love us. And they care about what's going on. So now we get this chance right now when the chips are down for them, where we're going to show our love for these people. So I want you to, I want you to write something encouraging to... Someone. We don't even know the names of every person that goes to that church, but it doesn't matter, right? I want you to just say, dear anchor pointer, or dear brother, or dear sister, or whatever. Just start like that and then say, we've heard that things are getting tough in Manitoba. And our heart is for you, right? Something like that. Just tell them that we're thinking of them, we acknowledge them. And then what I would encourage you to do is, if you're looking for some sort of a scripture verse that you would like to use to encourage them, I mean, don't just give them the reference, but here's eight categories and three verses in each category. If you want to include one of these, steal one right now. Like, look it up in your Bible and say, Oh yeah, unity, Psalm 119 verse 79, that makes a lot of sense. And just tell them, we're praying for unity according to Psalm 119.79 for you. Because we can understand how it would be so hard to stay unified when the government is practically doing everything possible to disunify the church, right? Or maybe you get a sense that they just need confidence because they're wondering, man, when do we speak up? Do we just stay quiet? Do we just follow along? What's our response? So friends, uh, I'd, I'd ask you to do that right now. And then on, the, on your way out, Karen's going to leave a basket at the very back on that table. And if you would please just drop your card in there, I'm not going to look at it, don't worry. But I'm going to put them in envelopes, and then I'm going to mail all of them up to Pastor Donovan at Anchor Point Church. And he's going to pass them out to his church. And here's the thing, if you feel also you would like to invite someone to respond... If you want to share your email address or if you want to share your cell number or your mailing address or whatever, that's totally cool. How cool would it be if we had like pal relationships until they could come, right? But let's encourage them right now. Let's write something that's going to spur them on in their faith and build them up. And then uh, we'll be done here in just about three minutes. I'll give you a few minutes to do this.